Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. Hi, I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. All right, we're going to start off our next fact sheet Friday looking at assessment tools as categorized by the ICF model. We have given you a taste of outcome measures over the past few episodes as we have started discussing specific pediatric conditions, but here it is, the big list of all the outcome measures in one place. Have you printed off this fact sheet yet? If not, you're going to need to. There are so many outcome measures to know, even more than just on this list, and you will not know them all. So this list and the list from Campbell is a good place to start. It would definitely be reasonable to know these measures really well and let some of those other random ones that come up go. You can't possibly know them all, so know the ones that are the most important. They have updated this fact sheet even since the one we printed out during our studying. They've organized it a bit further and it's a great chart. It's broken down by outcome measures related to participation, activity, and body structures and functions, the ICF model we've discussed so much. They have even organized it a little bit further to compartmentalize multi-domain outcome measures or measures that are specifically rated to something like pain or coordination. Make sure you know about each outcome measure, the purpose of the measure, the psychometric properties like validity and reliability, what populations and ages it's valid for, how it's administered, and any other important properties. Moving on, the next fact sheet that we're gonna look at is strength testing in pediatric physical therapy. The next fact sheet we're gonna talk about is strength testing in pediatric physical therapy. Obviously an important part of any physical therapy assessment. In pediatrics, of course, this can be a little more challenging. The article goes through different ways we can assess strength in our kids. The first way is observation of functional skills, likely in the most common way most of us determine strength. This is the primary tool for when the children are too young to follow directions or they have difficulty following directions. This is obviously a very subjective way to assess strength. Manual muscle testing is also an option. I think we're all pretty familiar with this way of strength testing. For it to be a good objective measure, remember hand placement and correct positioning needs to be followed. The article says it can be used reliably in children as young as three, as long as they're able to follow directions. Handheld dynamometry is another way to test strength. It is an isometric test. 
In a make test, the child exerts maximal effort against resistance for a given period of time. Usually you do three tests and average the second two tests. It is an objective measure that can detect small gains or losses and can be used reliably in children as young as 28 months. There is also normative data available. The downside, a good handheld dynamometer is about $1,000. Woo! The last tool is isokinetic dynamometry. This is a machine with lever arms that mirror the lever arm of the muscle being tested. This tool allows muscle strength to be measured through the full arc of motion and is very objective. The equipment is expensive and has a large footprint and has difficulty with smaller muscles and smaller patients. This is something you'd likely see in a lab or a research setting. The next fact sheet that we're going to discuss is called Fitness Resources for Young Children. This fact sheet is short, sweet, and to the point. It's only about a page long. It first describes the role of fitness in the young child. Fitness can be both playing and being physically active. According to the fact sheet, toddlers should get 60 minutes of play per day, while preschoolers should get 120 minutes of play per day. Young children should only be inactive for one hour a day unless they are sleeping. The fact sheet then describes ways parents can promote physical fitness in their children. Suggestions include to encourage them to be active, get active with them, include the whole family, and praise the child when they are performing physical activity. It also provides suggestions of activities to promote physical fitness, including jump rope, bike riding, or going for walks. Because this fact sheet is geared towards parents, the following recommendations are given to promote physical fitness in children with a disability. Support the child to be active in any way they can. Encourage fitness to be a positive experience. Avoid comparing the child to other children. Consult healthcare professionals prior to participating in physical activity. And consult with a pediatric physical therapist. It then goes on to explain why consulting with a pediatric physical therapist could be beneficial. Continuing on with fitness, the next fact sheet is fitness, wellness, health promotion, and prevention, the role and scope of physical therapy. This fact sheet is packed with great information, so we definitely suggest giving this one a look through. The purpose of this fact sheet is to provide pediatric physical therapists with a rationale for incorporating health promotion strategies into practice, definitions for health promotion and related topics, general considerations for health promotion interventions, specific information for children and youth with disabilities and for children who are obese, roles in community settings and resources and references. The fact sheet then goes on to discuss the APTA's Guide to Physical Therapy Practice. Another reminder to take a look at this if you haven't already. And provides definitions of terms related to fitness, wellness, health promotion, and prevention. It then goes on to discuss reimbursement. According to the fact sheet, reimbursement will differ depending on the family's insurance, the setting for physical therapy, and the type of intervention. The reason for intervention will also influence the reimbursement and number of sessions. 
A pediatric PT can determine if there is a billable ICD code appropriate and submit for coverage. The next part of the fact sheet has a bunch of tables that are loaded with information. It would not do them justice for me to just read off of them word for word. We highly recommend taking a look at the tables in the fact sheet. They are easy to understand and read. I will, however, read off the titles of the different tables and give some brief information on them. The first table is titled General Considerations for Health Promotion Interventions. This table walks you through the child's parent interview process, screening, examination, evaluation and intervention, measures to be used during an evaluation, and information for different settings. The second table is titled Strength Training Considerations for Health Promotion for Children with Specific Disabilities. This table is absolutely wonderful and super helpful. It goes through strength training recommendations, measurements, and precautions, and considerations for the diagnoses of cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, Duchenne muscular dystrophy, spina bifida, and autism. The third table is titled Aerobic Exercise Considerations for Health Promotion in Children with General Disabilities. This table provides general guidelines for aerobic activity, as well as strategies to consider when designing an aerobic exercise program consisting of the FITTE principles, frequency, intensity, time, type, and enjoyment. It also provides some measurements that could be used. The fourth table is titled Physical Therapist Role in Adapted Sports Programs and Consultation in the Community. It is broken down into recommendations for interventions that physical therapists can provide, as well as measurements that can be used. The last and final table is titled Considerations for Health Promotion for Children with Typical Development Who Are Obese. This table provides a list of interventions that a physical therapist could provide, as well as measurements that can be used for each intervention to track progress. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next week. And remember, you totally got this.